what I'd like to talk about tonight, just a, a, a certain amount of time, is I think something which we should really be very happy. I think it will cause us tremendous simcha, uh, the insight that I'd like to provide tonight. <clears throat> and that is the following. <clears throat> if you really think about it, I think it's one of the most significant events in the history of Jews, what is about to happen. What is that? <clears throat> I had mentioned a long time ago, <clears throat> uh, which is relatively really unknown to people, is that Esav, or Edom, <clears throat> in the end, even though he went against Yaakov Avinu, and of course against the, the, uh, the you know, and then after him of course was Rome, and all the uh, derivatives of Esav, uh, um, in the end of time, Esav will do tshuva. And instead of persecuting Yaakov, he will assist him to do the tikkun. And I, and I brought, look, a while back, quite a while back, all kinds of ideas and proofs to that idea. And it's even stated, as I had mentioned, uh, one of the places which clearly says that uh, is Rabbi Moshe David Vali, Ramdu, who, of course, is a, uh, a student, Chover Talmud, actually, a student uh, and associate of the Ram, uh, Ramchal, Ramesh Chaim But in any case, <clears throat> the primary idea is based on what the Medrash says. And that is that it says, Rav Ya'avoid Tso'ir, and the uh, Rav, and the older one will serve the younger, which is, of course, the prophecy uh, that was given to Rivka when she went to inquire about what was going on uh, in, inside of her in terms of the two children that would be born. But in any case, that's what it says. So, Rav Yavoy means that the older will serve the younger. <clears throat> Which meant, of course, ultimately, that Esav will serve Yaakov. He will assist them to do the job that Yaakov has to do, and together they will bring, bring the Tikkun which I had mentioned uh, quite a while ago. <clears throat> but the Medrash says something fascinating, and that is that <clears throat> Rav Ya'avoyt Tso'ir, since the Torah has no, uh, no uh, punctuation, then it could be read Rav Ya'avid Tso'ir, you see, that the old will persecute, afflict uh, the younger. What does that mean? <clears throat> that means that Esav really can relate to Yaakov in two ways. The first way he can relate to Yaakov is that he will serve him and together they will do the tikkun. The second idea is that, ya is that Esav will relate to Yaakov also in the same concept that he will assist Yaakov to do the tikkun, but not through the right way, but rather through the wrong way, which is Yisurin is suffering. Because if you recall, there are three ways to do the tikkun. The first way is called mitzvahs, commandments. Second way is called tshuva, which is repentance. And the third way, of course, is yisurin, or suffering. All three are called tikkun devices. And therefore, theoretically, Esav really should help Yaakov in the concept of mitzvahs. So together they can do the tikkun, the rectification of the creation. But what happens? That Esav can also assist Yaakov by being the nation that will persecute Yaakov and through the Yisurin or suffering that Yaakov receives if he deserves that suffering 
he will also be able to bring the Tikkun. Therefore, Esav can assist Yaakov in one of two ways. Either you avoid by helping him and assisting him to do the Tikkun, or you evade by persecuting him. And that's a very important concept. But the question that you have to ask is, in what way will he assist him at the end of time? In other words, you know, Esav is Edom, as the Torah says. Edom became the uh, Edom became the uh, the Rome and Rome of course is Christianity and Christianity is Western civilization and that is the figure of who Rome is of who Rome is today and of course that's what they've been doing uh, they've been tremendously persecuting the Jews for thousands of years and the Jews have received or are doing the Tikkun uh, in one of the three ways either Mitzvah, Tshuva or Yisurim uh, and the ones who have persecuted the Jews, of course, they are persecuting the Jews and making them suffer, and therefore the Jews, as a result of that, can achieve a tikkun. So this is what's been happening. But in the end of time, I had mentioned that um, Trump is the form of Esau that does tshuva, without going into you know, whatever types of personality issues that he has. But fundamentally, what he really is, he is Esav, or he's a Toiv Sheba Esav. He's a good part of Esav, as I had mentioned, <coughs> that will reverse the Ya'aved to the Ya'avoid. He will not persecute, on the contrary, he will assist the Jewish people <coughs> to do, <coughs> to do the, the, uh, the, the Tikkun. And the truth is, we see this. But there are two events which are about to occur. One is May 12th, 2018, and the other is May 14th, 2018. And both are incredibly messianic. Now, what happens on May 12th? On May 12th, he's going to make a decision. Does he want to uh, step back <coughs> from the agreement that the United States met, uh, made with Iran? Now, the Medrash says, which I had quoted, uh, you know, uh, previously, that the Medrash says that at the end of time, in fact, it says in the week that Mashiach comes, uh, whether it means a seven-year cycle of Shemitah, it says Poras, which of course is Iran, will make war with Arav, and Arav is Arabia, which is, I mean, it's incredible, this was written 2,000 years ago, that Iran will make war with Arav, which is Saudi Arabia. It's exactly a threatening war. And then it says that Arab Saudi Arabia uh, is going to seek counsel with, uh, with uh, Edom, which of course is, is America. <clears throat> and it says that they will, uh, that Poras will begin, to, will instigate a tremendous war, really against the entire world. <clears throat> and Israel is in many ways going to be tremendously conflicted. What should they do? In fact, the entire world will be frightened. Obviously, this refers to the fact that Iran can go nuclear, or will be nuclear. And then it says <clears throat> that there will be a baskel, means a divine voice that is heard throughout creation for those who can hear this. And they will say the following, <clears throat> that the divine voice says the following, The time of your redemption has arrived which means that this war between Persia and the world, 
certainly between Persia, which is Iran, and, and, and the world, Israel, uh, is the last war. And that's what the Medrash says. Behold, the time of your redemption has arrived, that this really is the last war. And the Baskol, the divine voice, continues and says, All that I have done, I have, and the God is talking to Israel, all that I have done is for the sake of purifying the, the Jewish people. So what do we see from this? That in the end of time, the last war is the war between Persia or Iran, and of course the entire world, especially the Jewish people. This is what we see. <clears throat> now that prediction, or whatever you want to call it, prophecy, of course it's, it's a frightening prophecy. Because that prophecy indicates that Iran will succeed with a nuclear bomb, and that they will use this, ultimately, to make war with the, with the Jewish people and even the whole world. <clears throat> but what is happening is there seems to be a change. What is that change? Which is interesting. Remember, everything can change in a good way. In other words, even if there's a prophecy that things will be bad, however, it can change because we, we don't know what the merit of what Jews do, how they influence the divine decrees. You see, so a prophecy which says that it's going to be bad can be changed. We see that by Yoyna, Jonah, Yoyna, when he went to warn Nineveh, you know, and that was a prophecy, yet Nineveh was saved because they repented. We see that clearly. That's one of the reasons why we read it on Yom Kippur, and so on. <clears throat> so therefore, this prophecy can change. Will it? Well, take a look. Here you have Trump, President of the United States, that is certainly going to create a showdown with Iran. Now, he can go one of two ways. But one thing is certain. He can go the way where he pulls out entirely on May 12th and issues tremendous economic sanctions against Iran, and that will destroy Iran economically because they cannot tolerate this. In fact, they're tremendously afraid. Their currency, the real, is already down, I think, 40% already. And that will destroy their economy, which means that the whole nation will rebel against the mullahs, the clerics, and just throw them out. And they're deathly afraid of that. All the uh, Khamenei's and all these guys are afraid of that. Or what he can do is demand an incredible change. But one thing is certain, he's going to demand a denuclearization of Iran. One, total transparency means we want to go in and see anytime we want, anywhere, what the story is. That's number two. Three, you can no longer make missiles that will carry these warheads. And four, you need to cut it out and stop all the terrorism that you're doing all over the Middle East, especially threaten Israel. That's what he's going to do. So either way, it's a showdown. And either way, he's going to take on Iran, okay, and severely uh, either mitigate the whole thing or just destroy Iran. That's messianic. Because in the end of time, Iran is supposed to make war on Israel and the entire world. So what does that mean? That means that the Rabbanu Shalom has changed the decree. So he's getting Toiv Esav, the good part of Esav, and now we begin to understand the parameter of what Esav is going to do, the good part, right? What he's going to do to help Israel. Uh, you see, we're just looking at this, which is astounding. 
Like I said, the concept of Iran isn't just another nation. It's part of the Medrash, it's part of the Medrash, the Yalkut or the Medrash, and this is messianic, and it's the last war, and God even comments on that last war and says that, behold, this, you know, the time of your redemption has, uh, has arrived. That's a statement by the Rabbani Shalom himself that this is a messianic war, or at the end of time. And lo and behold, Trump, a.k.a. the Tov Shebe'esav, okay, is going to neutralize Iran. Either way, but it doesn't make a difference. That tells us, okay, first of all, what Ya'avoid means. That if you want to know, well, Esav does tshuva, that's interesting. To what extent? The extent is, is that he's going to interfere with Iran going nuclear, interfere with them being a terrorist state, and interfere with them threatening Israel. That's what we see. This is messianic. That means that the Rebbe has stopped the end. Now, we don't know why. You know, we don't know what merit the Jews have done, but it could be, who knows, you know, the power of the Jews in the sense that they don't talk Lashonara, or the power is maybe they do incredible chesed, or there's a great deal of learning to her, even though many Jews, unfortunately, are gone. There could be many reasons why the Bereshma has decided uh, that he wants to change the decree. So how is he doing it? He's using Esau to change the decree. It's amazing. Who are they? Trump, who, as I said, is a messianic figure. He's a Mashiach of Edom, of course, not, not the Jews, but he's involved in the messianic process. And it's his job to protect the Jewish people against Iran which is astounding when you think about that. It's, remember, it's not that he's just stopping Iran. He's stopping what the Medrash says is the end of time, is the last war. This is the incredible thing. Uh, you see, you have to really think about that, what that means, you know. Like I said, let me repeat that for emphasis. It's not that he's going to neutralize a country which are, consists of a bunch of terrorists. That's great in itself. But what he's neutralizing and changing altogether is the last war before the coming of the Mashiach. That is incredible for those who have not thought about it. That's number one. But there's something else that he's doing, which I find to be one of the greatest you know, things you could ever imagine. That's how good it is for the Jewish people. <clears throat> In the end of time, there is supposed to be, it's predicted in Yecheskel, Lamed Ches, 38. It's also Zechariah, 14. It talks about the last war after the Mashiach, which is the war of Goig from the land of Mogoig. Okay? That's what he talks about. And there's all kinds of prophecy, but that clearly is the last war. Okay? What is the logic of all this, of Goig and Mogoig? What does it all mean? When you have to, when you, uh, when you ha in order to understand this, you have to go back to Egypt. Evil has two phases. One, <clears throat> one <clears throat> is it tries to destroy good. Certainly, specifically, it tries to destroy the Jewish people from doing the tikkun, from doing mitzvahs and tshuva. No question about that. Mm -hmm. However, <clears throat> there's a phase two. When evil has been vanquished, I mean really destroyed, they, arrive, they arise for a last push. 
you know, it's like a star before it blows, before it dies, it blows. It takes in all its energy and just gives it out in one monumental cataclysmic explosion, which can out, you know, I don't know if you know, but a nova can outshine galaxies. And we're talking about one star in a hundred billion stars. Yet that nova will outshine the whole galaxy. Could you imagine how much energy is in that star? It's beyond belief. That's what it does. Evil does the same thing. Before it dies, and while it's dying, okay, it can, you know, take in all the, whatever energies it has, okay, and just explode in one fearsome explosion. That's the story of Egypt. <clears throat> the Kriya Shamsuf, that's what happened. Egypt was destroyed. The Rabbanishim destroyed Egypt in the ten blows, or Marcus, or and so on, right? They destroyed them, and they, that was the end of it, you know? But that wasn't enough. They had to come back after the Jews. Again, that's phase two, you see. First, they kept them slaves for hundreds of years, and then, when they were finally vanquished and destroyed, they went after them again by, by the Kriya Samsuf. So Kriya Samsuf is really the last attempt of evil in some way to subdue good or toiv. And that's why the Sutton, if you remember when I said once, you know, the, that's why when the Sutton is dying, he tries to gather all his kitrugim, all his prosecutions, anything he can pull up to try to destroy the Jews. And that's why at the splitting of the sea, he had all kinds of kitrugim, which is prosecutions against the Jews. We, the famous one is what the Medrash says, you know, why do you want to save the Jews as opposed to the Egyptians, right? These worship idols, Jews, and the Egyptians worship idols. Well, you see a monumental attempt at the Sultan to try to save the Egyptians. Actually, it was the angel of the Egyptians, but it doesn't make a difference, you know. He was working as an ally for the Sultan. <clears throat> Let's see, you see. Uh, so we know that, that what happens at the end is a monumental attempt to destroy the Jews, which, by the way, I told you a long time ago that this, this uh, what do you call it, um, the event of the, all these people trying to topple Trump is the result of the Sutton dying. That's why. So he's trying to get everybody on his side to try to stop this man. Why? Because it's not so, they're afraid, of course, because Trump will take over the United States and he will destroy the swamp. He's going to drain the swamp, or maybe more accurately stated, he will drain the sewer, you know, which is basically Washington, D.C., you know. So they're all going crazy. That's their end of it. But that's not the real reason why they're being influenced by the Sultan. The real reason is because Trump is going to do to Israel what has never been done before, you see. So that's the concept of a resurgence of evil uh, to try to destroy good. And we're witnessing now. Now, <clears throat> that's the concept of Goyk from the land of Mogoyk. That he's an individual that, that gathers all 70 nations because I told you the numer numerical value of Goyk or Mogoyk is 70. You see, it tries to get all the people of the world to go against the Jewish people and especially Mashiach ben Yosef, right, to try to destroy them. And that, again, is the last attempt of the Sultan, in some way, uh, <clears throat> to be victorious and wipe out the Jewish people. That's what it's all about. Okay, that's really what Goig and Mogoig is. Goig and is nothing more than a repeat performance of Kriya Samsov. Same idea. Okay. 
So we would expect that, <clears throat> you know. But if you recall, I said something very interesting, I don't know, half a year ago, or whenever it was, <coughs> that <clears throat> who is Goig and Mogoig, really? Goig and Mogoig, if you think about it, <coughs> right, is not a person, because God could change the form of Goig and Mogoig, okay? Goig and Mogoig, as far as I'm concerned, is United Nations. United Nations has all the entire world <coughs> sitting there creating enormous problems for the Jewish people, okay? And like I said, Goig and Mogoig, the numerical value is 70, and the United Nations is United Nations. It's the entire world, you know? And they are really Goig and Mogoig. That's the form that the United Nations takes. That's Goig and Mogoig. And they are trying to destroy Israel. Specifically, Zechariah talks about what? Not just trying to destroy Israel, but to try to destroy the Jews in Yerushalayim. To deny the Jews Jerusalem. Because Yerushalayim, obviously, is, their major, is the major spiritual city. And we know what the UN has been doing is what? Is in the, in fact, they came out with resolutions after resolutions, right? When Trump said that Jerusalem will be the uh, capital, right? And so on. So the UN said, no, you got to change your mind. It was just incredible to watch how all of them almost were sit there. I think 139 nations voted against that. Okay, against uh, Jerusalem going to Israel. It's incredible to watch. Uh, but if the United Nations is going and going, that would mean that we will not have a war of going and going, doesn't it? It's interesting. If it already happened, then it's not going to happen again. First of all, you should know uh, that the war of Goig and Mogoig against Jewish people would have been horrendous. As it says in the Gemara, only one or two families of a city will survive. What does that sound like? It's a holocaust. What the Barsham did is he split the wars of Goig and Mogoig into three parts. The Chofetz Chaim says this, by the way. What part was phase one? World War I, which destroyed hundreds and hundreds of Jewish communities. Even though it wasn't necessarily directed at against, against the Jews, however, it did destroy, it changed Jewish <coughs> life in Europe forever. It destroyed hundreds and hundreds of communities while they were fighting in, in Europe. So that's, that's stage one, or phase one, of Goig and Mogoy. The second phase was World War II. And of course, we know then, you know, the classic figure of Hitler, Yamachemoy, as Goig, really united in many ways enormous part of the world against the Jews. And there you had the brutality, where maybe one or two families from a city survived. So what the Varsham did is in phase two of Goig and Mogoig, right, he brought in the real brutality of that war against the Jewish people, he brought it uh, in, in World War II. So that's phase two. In other words, Goig and Mogig already happened twice in two stages, <clears throat> you see. In fact, the Mephoshim talk about, when you look at the Novi, you could see that the concept of Goig and Mogig are in three phases, you see. So therefore, Goig and Mogig really happened. World War I, World War II. World War II, of course, was specifically directed against the Jewish people. Well, it's not even indirect. That's what it was all about. You see, 
and so therefore, we already have two stages of of the goigamogoig. You see. And like I said, which is very important, that the brutality that was supposed to be in the end of time was given to the second stage. And that's why the second stage of Goygumogoig was, was something which we cannot even begin to absorb. Six million Jews. We can't even, we, it's hard for us to understand what a hundred Jews are. Six million is beyond comprehension, you know. And of course, the incredible tragedy is there's so many guys out there with revisionist history. Nah, it never happened. You're, you're exaggerating the numbers. I mean, it's beyond belief what people say. But that's what the world is. That's the evil of the world. But what about Goygamoga at stage three? That's the interesting part, you see? So think about this. Before, in other words, if the brutality of the Holocaust is really part of Goygamoga against the Jews, Right? So that's the last stage won't be that brutal. <coughs> It'll be what's called confrontation. That's what's going to happen, which is much milder. There will be confrontation, but much milder. And already we're seeing that in the form of the United Nations, you see. So that's a very important idea. That goigamogoig, if it's going to happen, stage three is not the same as what would have been had God not split it into three parts. But now let's take a look at stage three. <clears throat> if the United Nations is going more going, yes? Where do we see it ending? On May 14th, there's something that's going to happen that is beyond belief. What is that? <clears throat> <clears throat> The major claim of Goig and Mogoig, whatever they are, UN and so on, the major claim really is what? Is that Yerushalayim doesn't belong to you. Eretz Israel doesn't belong to you. And therefore they're going to conduct a war. People don't make war just to say, I want your territory and I want your money. That doesn't happen anymore, you see. That's rare. People have to dress it up and masquerade it in some virtue, right? Like, uh, you got to give everything back to the Arabs. You see, they can't just attack you and say, we want to kill you and we want your cash. That used to be with tribute, Rome and all those guys. You see, today, conquest has to be justified by some type of virtuous statement. You see, and the virtuous statement is, of course, well, it belongs to the Arabs. Or you got to split everything and give them half to Yerushalayim. That's the way <coughs> it used to be, but not anymore. Uh, so that's what the nations say. But there's something happening on May 14th, which is the 70th, 70th anniversary of the Jewish state on the English calendar. There's something that's happening which is beyond belief. And I don't think anybody realizes it. We know what's going to happen on May 14th in, in terms of current events. You know, uh, 250 people from America, senators, congressmen, a lot of people are going to go when, when they open up the embassy in uh, Jerusalem. That's the date that is supposed to occur. What does that mean? Well, first thing that's incredible is that there's going to be an embassy of the United Nations, uh, excuse me, of the United States in, in Jerusalem. So that means if somebody was, is born in Jerusalem, it will no longer say, you know, we're, we're, he's a citizen of who? Of Jerusalem. It's going to say he's a citizen of the state of uh, Israel. Because now Jerusalem becomes Israel. You see? So that automatically is, is incredible. Uh, second idea is that 
by making the embassy in Jerusalem and declaring Jerusalem to be the capital, which is the stamp of approval. When you move your embassy there, it means that Jerusalem is the capital. That legitimatizes the entire Eretz Yisrael. You see, that Eretz Yisrael belongs to the Jews, which I had said. But what's also interesting, and in many ways it's almost stunning, uh, is that Trump said he may go. If he goes, why would a president of the United States go to the opening of an embassy? Think about that. That doesn't happen. Hey, you open up an embassy, fine. The president doesn't go to that. You send the diplomats. But Trump said that he may go. Why would he say that? And if he goes, it certainly proves this. If Trump goes to open up the embassy, or even if he doesn't, but when America will open up the embassy, in Jerusalem, right? That means Edom now recognizes that Israel is a legitimate owner of the Jew, of of, this, of of Eretz Israel. That's what it means. Yeah. But not only that, by making uh, Jerusalem the embassy, <clears throat> they are making a statement, like I just said, that Jerusalem belongs to the Jews. But what's interesting is there are many nations that are going to follow. Okay. You already have Guatemala, you have Czechoslovakia. There's a whole bunch of nations that say they're going to do the exact same thing that the U.S. does. And then once that happens, you're going to see a rush. You know, 10, 15, 20, 40, 50, 80, right? But that's interesting. Why? <clears throat> because it will mean that the world, which it, it all started with Trump and America, Edom, Esau, it means that the world now recognizes that Israel, and especially Jerusalem, belongs to the Jews. You see? If that's the case, there can no longer be a goig and Can there? Because the whole idea of goig and against the Jews is that, hey, Jerusalem belongs to us. But wait a minute. All you guys, all your countries have embassies in Jerusalem. So what are you talking about? Uh, you know, it's, it's the end of their taina. The whole point of, of going and going to make war <clears throat> is that this is not your capital. This isn't yours, you see? And therefore, there could have been an attack, whatever. But if all the countries, slowly, right, are going to put the embassies there, that's an admission by every country that what? That Jerusalem is the capital. So it takes away their whole claim. So then if that's the case, there's no goig and magoig. Therefore, if Trump goes to, uh, to the embassy opening, what it will mean is that Trump, also known as a messianic figure of Edom, who represents Esau, is now admitting to the Jewish people in other words, the king of America, so to speak, which is Trump, right? Esau. Esau is going to go to, to, uh, the, uh, to uh, Yerushalayim, the capital, and he admits that the capital is yours. That's the Yavoid. What he has done is single-handedly stopped Goig and Mogoig. You have to think about what that means. So not only on May 12th, he's going to stop the last war, which is Persia, Iran, against the world, right? Because that's the showdown. But two days later, he's going to stop going and more going.
because there's no claim. You have any idea what that means? That means that we don't have to wait until the prophecy of Persia, and we don't have to wait for the prophecy of Gogamogoy. That means we are literally at the threshold of the Messianic era. Because those are the two things that had to happen, right? And they would stop the Mashiach from coming. But if these two events have now been, right, neutralized, removed, right? So then, wait a minute. So then what stops the Mashiach? It's already done. You see, that's the significance of May 12th and May 14th. One stops the last war, as predicted by the Midrashim, right? That means if there's no Persia anymore, then Gulashem Higia. And the second one removes the necessity for Goik from Mogoik, Goik from the land of Mogoik, which was already done on stage three, which is the UN. And Trump is now going to close the books on Goik and Mogoik because everybody's going to have an embassy. In, in Jerusalem so then what are they going to claim what are they going to claim what are, what's your embassy doing here you see and if America has its embassy then what are you going to claim it's already over because if America recognizes you everybody will go forward with it everybody you see so therefore what we realize what the Yahweh is that the change of Yahweh that he will persecute Asa will persecute Jacob is now Yahweh he will serve but he has now done two things which are beyond belief. Esau, Edom, Trump, right? Has now done two things which are, like I say, just almost, just, um, it's incredulous. He has removed the last war with Paras, Persia, Iran, and he has removed the whole concept of Goig Umogoig. I think that is incredible <coughs> news for the Jewish people. And I think that deserves some type of incredible simcha, you know. People don't realize what this means. Yeah, it's great news, you know. I mean, you know, you have guys there in the Tanyo, they all, of course they're right. They're going to clap because Israel will have done one of the greatest victories where they're now legitimatized, right, to America, you know, to uh, Guatemala, to Czechoslovakia. I heard that even Romania is now going to do it, you know. It's, gonna, it's a slow trickle, but as, once it's there, and not only that, what's going to happen is if Jerusalem now has all the embassies, Jerusalem will rise among the nations. You remember it says in Echa, Yeshi Badod, that Jerusalem sits desolate, right? Bezuya, right? Embarrassed, humiliated in front of all the nations of the world. Well, guess what? When you have the embassies of the whole world sitting in that city, what do you think it becomes? becomes one of the greatest cities on earth. Jerusalem is about to leave its colors. All this on May 14th. You see? You know, they don't realize what's about to happen. But I'm telling you, it is something which is almost, you know, it's almost like a fantasy. That the war of Goig and Mogoig will not happen. You see? And that Jerusalem is about to rise into what it really is, the greatest city on earth. Something to think about. Go ahead. Part of his deal 
has already been made because he's also won over Yishmael to a degree. Yes. Because again, the Crown Prince Bin Salman told the opposition about yes. you accept Trump's peace plan well, shut up. and close your mouth. Yeah. Plan, there's no going back to changing where the embassies go. Yes, which is, uh, I'm, I'm glad you note that. I was going to say that, but you, you reminded me, yeah. Well, it's also incredible. Remember I told you, said Edom does tshuva, but look at what Yavuid is. We think, well, they're going to give, they're going to give Israel missiles, you know, you know, help them out with bunker bombs or whatever these guys got. That's not what Yavuid is. That's not, and, and, and Edom will assist Jacob. It's to stop the greatest, the two greatest wars against Israel, both Iran and also, of course, Goyg um, uh, what, what, what an assist. That is. And of course, we just this week, Mohammed bin Salman, right? I mean, it's just be, it's beyond belief watching this guy. He met with a whole bunch of Jews. He's been in the United States trying to curry investments in Saudi Arabia. That's why he's hitting all the big guys, the billionaires, and so on. But he also met with a whole bunch of Jews. And, he, and he, the first thing he told them that, yeah, uh, every country deserves, a, every, uh, a, 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 every, every nation deserves a land of its own. Israel. And then he said to Abbas, he said, listen, but he said more. He says, you know, for, for years you guys have been ruining opportunities, right, to make peace and to, and to grow. You guys are still stuck, you know, in, 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 the, in the 12th century. You know, that's the first thing he told Abbas. The second thing he says, listen, you got to get back to the table. You know, if you don't get, get back to the table, according to, quote him, shut up. And that's in, you imagine what Saudi Arabia, an Arab country, the, the, one of the main Arab countries, saying this to Abbas? It's like, it's like, you know, this is Alice in Wonderland. This doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? It's incredible. So that itself, you're talking about the truth of Yishmael. There you are, you see. So these things are happening this, this month, you know, this month. And, and all the Arabs are, are on board, basically, with what Trump is about to do. That's why you don't hear anything, you know? Uh, it's, what has happened, you know, just in the last, like I say, year or whatever, is, is something that we've never heard of before. And each one ushers, says that we are literally on the threshold of a Mashiach. And I think the Mashiach is alive. And he's probably looking at this and say, wow, my job just became easier. You know, and so on, you know. That's assuming he knows he is Mashiach. Because stage one is where he doesn't know, and stage two is where he's informed. Like Moshe Rabbeinu for 80 years didn't know. Then after that he knew, realized, and so on. But there's no question about it, you know. So these are the these spiritual, hashkofic significance of May 12th and May 14th, which is today, May 5th. What do you got? A week, you know. Nine days, huh? For, for something of un, 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 unbelievable significance, which is about to happen. Yeah? What about the Eir of Rav? Well, that's a very good question. You know? They have to go. The problem with the Eir of Rav, you see, all the nations of the world, their problem, I mean, the, 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 what, the harm that they can inflict to the Jewish people is physical. It's, it's physical. The problem with the era of Rav is they destroy the Ruchnius, 
the spirituality of the Jewish people. That's what their problem is. It's not that they're harmful to the Jews. They're not harmful, on the contrary. You know, the Erev Rav, you know, I mean, especially the Erev Rav, the Jews and so on, you know. Jews are not their enemy at all. It's Judaism that's basically the enemy. Yeah, of course they provide lip service and say, yeah, and so on, you know. But these people are an act of force to destroy the spirituality, the ruchnius of the Jewish people. And as long as they lead the Jewish people, then the Jewish people will not do tshuva because they are the block. You will never have the wholesale tshuva, repentance, that the Jews must do in order to really bring the Mashiach. It cannot happen with the leaders of the Jewish people who stand in the way and block any spiritual growth. And therefore, they are next. How that will happen? Because remember one thing, the air of Rav is the most difficult thing to remove. If you think removing the UN and Europe and Russia and all that stuff, that's hard. But really, the most difficult people to remove is the mixed multitude, the air of Rav that destroys the Ruchnitz of Klai Yisrael. Why is that? Because the Erev Rav are basically the frontline soldiers of the Sultan. They are the frontline soldiers. The other guys are in the back, you know. But the real soldiers of the Sultan is the Erev Rav. And that's why they were unleashed in 1948, you know, with the Mapai and Labor and all these guys, how they destroyed Jews left and right, which was beyond belief what they did. You know, and they continue to do that, or less mildly so, because at least the Jews have a power to, to respond, because they're part of the Knesset and so on, you know. <coughs> but they destroy the Ruchnias of Klai the real Ruchnias, you see. And, uh, and this is what's happening. So, th uh, theoretically, they're, they're next. Yeah. Any questions? Mashiach comes, will Trump sidestep for anybody? <laughs> I think so. I think he'll sidestep for the Messiah. You know. But he will, but you don't realize, <clears throat> this is an incredible merit for him. You know, Jew or non-Jew, this guy's going to collect big time. Because to put Iran in its place, to remove the threat, and to put Goy Gemogoy to remove that threat is a tikkun which is beyond belief. And it's really happening because of him. You know, I mean, America is part of that, but it's really him. And that's his job. That's why no matter what they try to do to destroy him, they cannot touch him. Because that's his mission. And if you ever want to know what was his mission, you're looking at it. May 12th and May 14th. That's the assistance. Yaveit Yavoid. That's what he had to do. Now you know why this man was elected. That's his divine mission, you know. And boy, did he follow through, it, it, which is incredible, you know. And like I say, the real, when you will see that if he goes to open up the embassy, which is unheard of for an American president to do that. And then what it is, is a personal visit by Esau, you see, to, to, to uh, elevate the whole status of Jerusalem. Because that's what's going to happen. You know, and I heard he may take Pollard, which is like I said by uh, by Rubashkin, that's an admission that we wronged you, and therefore I want you to go back to Israel. It's almost like Pollard going back to Israel. It's almost like the Jewish nation going back to Israel. It's like an admission, you know.
I mean, these things have so much symbolic value. It's incredible, you know. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, what, what uh, certainly seems to be happening, you know. So Jews should rejoice. It's just an incredible. I don't think really people understand what in the world is going on. They just see it politically. They have no concept and understanding the spiritual significance of what all this means. You see, which I've just said.